0: Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the New Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We have a special guest with us today. We are going to welcome Marcel Lee. Um, She is the senior security researcher um, at SecureWorks, and in her part-time hours for volunteerism, she is also the chief of cyber um, for the uh, simulation um, for the Women's uh, Society of Cyber Jitsu, Welcome, Marcel. How are you?
2: Oh, thanks, Sean. I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's great to have, um, you know, someone representing, you know, women in cyber, you know, the, talk about the glass ceiling. We talk about uh, representing and um, it's always great to, um, you know, get, all sorts of professionals from different uh, areas and backgrounds, Uh, but you're a researcher. And so um, you're looking at a lot of, you know, media, you're looking and having conversations with people, Um, you you know, and you've been around the block for a long time. So um, getting you to uh, contribute to our podcast is, is wonderful. And so I'd say welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, as I said, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here, and um, I appreciate uh, the work that you all are doing with promoting diversity. Because I've certainly noticed that in your previous podcasts. Uh, so yeah, so I'm a senior security researcher at SecureWorks, as you mentioned. I'm also the lead for emerging threats research. So I'm a bit of a combination of um, a sort of regular analyst that can write reports and and analyze threat intel data. Um, And then I'm also a bit of a hunter where I'm going out and looking for new and interesting and emerging type threats. And then um, I also do the technical analysis piece. So my particular passion is network forensics. I love looking at the packet capture. Wireshark is my favorite tool in the world. (laughs) And, And I have a lot of Favorite tools, but it's hands down. So I, I like nothing better than to like follow um, a thread from you know start to end, like identifying maybe a phishing campaign and drilling down to see what's happening, who's being targeted. Um, that's just one example, but that's that's what gets me excited and, and keeps me getting up every morning and and happy to go to my job because I love digging into that kind of stuff.
1: That's awesome, a true geek by heart. I love it I don't, I, I don't get to hang <laughs> yeah, with I am a true geek by yeah, heart I don't get to hang around with a lot of uh technical people and when i do uh I relish that time so well great uh it's great to have you on the show um we're gonna have a, a great conversation you know as a security researcher um you know a, a senior security researcher what are the types of things that you're actually looking at so it, it sounds like you've got a highly technical background you're you, you know you're you're out there looking at uh, a lot of the i'm assuming like technical exploits and and things like that um what what other types of research and, and what are the the products or what do you bring to the table once you you know complete your research are you doing publications uh, how do you contribute back to the community with that research
2: Right. So, um, well, there's, there's two angles to that, really. Sort of the, you know, secure workspace. Um, I'm a team of about, uh, I think 20, uh, researchers on the, is what is called the counter threat unit cyber intelligence cells. So we all work collectively on different areas, different, that kind of thing. Um, but what I've been working on the most lately is I am apparently the, coronavirus queen, as I like to call it, um, because I've been tracking all the activity that we've been observing around uh, threat activity and and COVID-19, and there's lots of it. So around that space, I've done a couple of webinars now, attributed to a number of other publications that we have um, on our our special COVID nineteen page on our web, the regular working space. I I write a blog on Medium that is primarily geared towards doing cyber competition walkthroughs. So I'll just take a a challenge that I built and and then break it down for the readers on like how how you would uh, tackle that particular challenge. And um, those seem to be fairly popular. And sometimes I write about uh, getting started in cybersecurity. I have a whole series of blogs on that topic, um, though I haven't done those much lately. Um, yeah, so I'm fairly out there in terms of publishing things.
1: That's awesome. Um, you know, we're going to come right back right after a word from our sponsor. Um, you know, uh, we're talking to Marcel Lee from SecureWorks. Uh, we're going to take a break uh, with our sponsor. We'll be right back.
0: Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org.
1: Sean Murray, New Cyber Frontier. We have a special guest. Uh, we have Marcel Lee, a Senior Security Researcher and uh, Chief of Cyber for the, uh, the Games Division at Women's Society of cyber Jitsu. Um, we're talking about, you know, what does a senior researcher do? What, what do they look at? And, you know, given the, given the times, uh, right now, um, you know, the self proclaimed COVID queen, um, taking a look at the, a lot of the threats that are going on, you know, for, for, for social distancing, working remotely. Um, what, what I think is awesome is a person like you. And, and I've had several conversations. We are going to produce so much information, so much data. Um, from this pandemic um, in, in so many different industries? What went well? Where were our challenges? Um, you know, how can we do things better? And what did we learn that maybe we didn't know before? Uh, as, a, as a senior researcher, I'm sure that you are just swimming in information and data
2: right now. Um, yes, that- that's pretty accurate assessment of the situation. And I mean, really, we've gotten to what I would call maybe a tapering off point in terms of, and I'm talking threat activity, cyber threat activity with COVID-19, like I'm not a doctor who could talk to the medical stuff. Um, so the cyber threat activity seems to be tapering off. Like I haven't seen anything particularly new and exciting in the past week or so, um, but What we have seen over the past really two months are, you know, a variety of different phishing campaigns, uh, primarily dropping info stealers and rats. That's been the most of the malware that we have observed. Some ransomware, but not so much with the COVID-19 theme. The ransomware is just sort of a thing out there. And that's another topic we could talk about, too, is the whole uh, name and shame phenomena that's happening right now in that space. Um, but we've also seen uh, nation-state a- activity, one country targeting another country with uh, sort of uh, phishing or maybe malicious apps, even type of activity that we normally see. But such an amazing um, just swing towards using COVID-19 as the, uh, the bait or the lure, if you will. So that's been really interesting. Um But yeah, like I said, nothing particularly revealing in terms of like tactics, techniques and procedures or TTPs, Um, just the same same old stuff kind of just with a different base on it.
1: Sure. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, that me and some of my uh, colleagues are are talking about um, is um, the impact that social media and the media in general is having um, on on emphasizing or, or or metastasizing the the threat or that that fear from everybody working at home. So we have more access now to social media and media than we normally do. Um, you know, media, regular mainstream media is being criticized for, you know, not having the integrity it did, you know, 20, 30 years ago and sensationalizing different topics. How does that feed into the research that you do for the threats that you're seeing as well?
2: Yeah, that's a great question and it's kind of funny because I was thinking sort of about this just recently because I've seen over the past week a number of articles that say completely opposite things from each other. So there's some uh news outlets or various sources that are like, you know, ransomware attacks are up so, you know, whatever percentage and then I'll see an article from another group that says ransomware attacks are down and it's so there's a lot of um a lot of spin, I think when it comes to looking at stats in our industry and and people tend to have that sort of confirmation bias, I think where they they take the numbers and make the story that they want out of it um which makes it hard for you know a researcher who's looking at this data and hoping to pick something out that's good from it but yeah you you can't trust everything you read, we all know that of course um. But I will say with regard to social media, social media is actually a really good source for security research. Um, specifically with regard to Twitter, like I get a lot of good leads from Twitter because there's a number of, you know, security people on there who are sharing data that they find. Um, I was just looking at some research today on, um, uh, Android apps that are, are targeting Pakistani users. Um, so, a lot of that like goodness or information I wouldn't have seen probably if it hadn't popped up on Twitter. So, so yeah. So, I mean, there's always sort of a plus and minus to everything.
1: Yeah. I think it's more of a, using your intellect as a researcher to know, you know, what appears to be biased or, you know, not foundation, it doesn't have a foundation of, of um, integrity behind it. It's more of an opinion or, or someone's bias, you know, Give us a, a little bit uh a background um on your what is it that you're comp- uh, contributing to over at, at Women's Society of Cyber jitsu
2: Oh yeah. Um I I um, am in charge of cyber competition programming and basically what that looks like is I have um a number of share uh, upcoming events that you know we can do together or individually i have a slack site that i use to uh, promote communications on that and we have um, a fair number of members now we do probably i'd say two to three competitions together a month um pretty much as many as i can find and then uh, when we're not doing competitions we're actively building competitions as well so um so part of like my um my contribution i guess i would say i never think of it that way workshop called CTF for noobs and i've done this with a a number of other people partnered up with them and essentially what we do is you know it's it's promoted as a workshop to learn about cyber competitions but we actually have the participants do a cyber competition they just don't know that until they get there so um so that's the best way to learn how to do a Jump right in. It was just to get in and, and do it. But so, um, I should say people are, you know, worried that they don't have enough skills or they're going to look silly or they're going to let down their team. And, and really none of that is true. Um, I've been doing cyber competitions for years. And when I started, I didn't have the slightest idea what was happening. <laughs> and there's still definitely weak spots for me. You know, like if it's a packet capture, I'm all over that. If it's a web app, testing type thing. Not so much. That's not my, my skill set. Um, but it's doing competitions are such a great way to learn new things and, and to enhance your skills and not to keep beating PCAPs to death. But, um, the, one of the early competitions that I did was, um, a digital forensics CTF. And it was, um, it was put on by, uh, a group called DC3, the Defense Cybercrime Center. And unfortunately, they don't do it anymore because it was pretty awesome competition. But you had to analyze a various um, types of challenges and then actually do a write-up about the challenge, like how you solved it, which was kind of cool that they focused on that core skill area as well. Um, but that was the first time I ever saw a packet capture file. And I remember, I'll always remember, Looking at the challenge file, and it's a peak app. But, like, the first thing I did was Google what's a peak app because <laughs> I had no idea. And and that's what kind of sparked my interest in network forensics from the get-go. And, you know, I never, like, looked back. I've always loved that. Um, not necessarily for every time challenge I've ever done, but that one really, really uh, stuck with me. So um so one of the things I always recommend to people is to build your your toolkit and I'll put little air quotes around that, but um having your go-to setup for doing a competition, but you can also use it for all sorts of other things, like your actual work or you know other projects you might be working on. And and I recommend you know starting with a virtual machine environment using you know hypervisor of your choice. I personally like VirtualBox. Um have a, a Kali Linux pen testing distro and a number of other virtual machines and and just um, start banging away at some of the tools that are in there and and learn how to use the different tools. Uh, so it's such good exposure. And, and I think, you know, people just don't necessarily ever, you know, have the use for like maybe a hex editor, for example, until they come across like a challenge that that is. Uh, easily solved by using one.
1: Yeah, it's great that you mentioned that. So we're, we're
2: actually working. Um, I'm part of. Uh, OK. <laughs> it's, oh, <yeah>. it's funny <laughs> you
1: mentioned the hex editor. Um, I used to uh, do analysis work for Army Cyber over in Europe, and uh, I was the probably the oldest guy on the team. And a lot of the younger guys, uh, I mean, they're they're flying through like a, you know, a thousand miles an hour. And, you know, they called me the old man. And, and one day I'm doing some analysis and I'm using a hex editor. And uh, and they're like, they come over like, hey, what are you doing? What is that, ex-editor? What is that? <laughs> I'm like, oh, the old man knows some skills that you know the the young guys don't. And so um, yeah, it's it, it's great to to use these tools and geek out. Uh, it's interesting, you know, Wireshark. Uh, at ISSA International a few years ago, we actually recognized uh, the gentleman who created Wireshark. and Gave him a, a big award. He comes up and he goes, you know. It started out as a weekend project, quickly it got out of hand. And so of course, you know, it's open source and it got open to the community. <laughs> Everybody's built so many capabilities into it. Um but uh you know you can actually get a certification in Wireshark and the body of knowledge is that thick. And my hunt analyst uh at uh at Army Cyber, <laughs> she actually went out and she goes, That's the next cert that I want to get so she reminds me of you. Uh I'm like, oh Wireshark <laughs> tool. awesome. Uh, I'd like That's to go better. ahead and, and Well, break you know for, uh, I don't I'd like to go ahead and break real quick for uh, our sponsor and we'll be right back with Marcel. is Sean Marie for the new cyber frontier our special guest today is Marcel Lee from SecureWorks she is a senior researcher a security researcher over at SecureWorks been having a great conversation regarding some of the stuff she's doing uh, research wise and then um, she contributes to a uh, a uh, uh, you know, volunteers her time for a women's nonprofit women's society of cyber jitsu um, so let's let's take a look at um, you know, you're talking about the cyber competitions and, and some of the things that uh, you're running there, you know, and you're right. Uh, if you want to get into the business, you know, it, you don't have to invest a lot of money. Um, and there's so much virtualization now. You can use your computer to go into a virtualized environment and and play around with tools in, in a safe environment. Don't do it at work unless you have permission. Right. You don't want to get in trouble.
2: Right. Especially
1: if you're <laughs> analyzing malware. You don't want to do that on, on, on your computer at work. <laughs> um, some...
2: Yeah. Don't go to this, the sketchy websites on your work computer. <laughs> That's also bad. So one
1: of the things I want to pivot to in, in that is we don't get enough um, uh, visibility. Uh, uh, we talk about diversity, women in cyber. Um, how has that changed things for you in and how do you feel as a as a woman in this career field um in in how do you perceive your contributions
2: yeah so um it's funny i i didn't realize that there was such a lack of diversity in this field um until fairly kind of far into it, um I'm a career changer. I did not start out in cyber. I've only been in the industry for about ten years, did something else entirely before this and And I really got my start by taking classes at the local community college, and the beginning classes were you know fairly devulous, particularly this one. Very fun, like getting further and further into it, and I'm taking like the, the like CCNA prep classes and things like that. I suddenly noticed that like I was the only woman in the room, and or maybe there was one other woman in the room, and it just kind of hit me then. I was like, oh, this is not what I'm used to. <laughs> And my first degree was econ, so it was definitely kind of a, a 50-50 split, I would say. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I looked around me, I was like, oh, this is, I'm not the same as everybody else here. And, and it was around this time that I discovered Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. And the founder, Lisa, she started it because she had the same experience of really being the only woman in the room, and she just wanted to meet other women who were kind of into speaking out, like you said, and and that kind of thing. So she started up um, a series of workshops and I caught wind of this and went to my first workshop with them, which was on like Metasploit or something like that. And it was such a cool experience to sit in their room full of other women who also like to do the same thing because I was used to like my regular friends, my non-cyber friends and like my mom crew and all those people who didn't have the slightest idea of what I was doing or why I was doing it and so all of a sudden I got to meet all these women who were into it too so that was that was um, such a game changer for me and at some point um I started speaking publicly about diversity um, I've done a number of talks you know actually around the world on the topic and a fair bit of research and I think you know the best thing that people can do is to support organizations like CyberJitsu, and we're certainly not the only ones. There's other ones out there. Um, and then just to, you know, look around the room when you're hiring people and, and try to consider, is there something that's making you just hire the same kind of people over and over again? Or is there something you could do differently to attract, attract a broader audience? Um, I wrote an article for ISACA's journal last year about uh i forget exactly what the title was i should know but it was about uh finding the purple squirrel you know the elusive candidate that doesn't actually exist um and and that's part of the issues with uh hiring women and and not just women other diverse populations um job postings for one thing are written in a manner that is likely to make women not apply Um, we're all familiar with like the job postings that have a laundry list of expectations and and there's been a number of studies that show that women will look at those job postings and you know sort of mentally do a little list or checklist it's like okay I don't have this I don't have that I can't apply to this job whereas a man is more likely to be like oh I got like 50% of this I'll I'll apply for this job. And so women are sort of self, um, excluding because uh, they don't think that they're right for the position. So, so that's something to be mindful of. And I, I have noticed a few different companies are, are wording it differently, like sort of nice to have, not required. Um, but I do collect like the sort of outrageous job postings for fun <laughs> because they're good <laughs> in my research. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one way to, uh, to look at it and then in looking at what you're focusing on like if you're preparing your your company culture like you know the sort of stereotypical nerf guns and foosball table like when i hear that kind of stuff or i see it in the job posting which you will actually see that mentioned like oh we have all these things I'm like that's not the place i want to work because i don't want to go hang out in a frat i want to just do real work so so there, there's a number of different things that can be addressed, but that's just a couple.
1: Yeah. So it turns into a, a culture thing, right? So in, in in a lot of it is based on our age as well. So, um, you know, uh, as a as a Gen Xer, um, I like the more structured, you know, I, I can be mobile. I can work from anywhere. I've been doing it for years, but I like structure. I would like a schedule. I like to you know what are the tasks what have i got to get accomplished in in and, and uh it, so that's a it comes down to a culture thing and diversity men women you know one of the things that i, I tend to see uh with women in in the technol- technological workforce is there's a lot of the same mindsets when it comes to um the technology um but i i like your analogy of you know um women will you'll will talk themselves out of a job because, you know, that they don't meet everything on that list. And that's too bad. I I like it when an HR department puts core competencies and then, um, you know, preferred, you know, candidate will have maybe some additional skill sets. That that just comes down to, you know, good, uh, uh, you know, PD writing. But um, so we're towards the end. I can't believe it's already been a half an hour. Um, You know, we're talking to Marcel Lee. Uh, on the new cyber frontier. And I'd like to ask, you know, what are your parting thoughts, Marcel?
2: Um, Let's just say, you know, in with regard to the thing you were just talking about, about the culture and scheduling and whatnot, um, if you're working from home now and you're not really used to that, be kind to yourself. Uh, don't kill yourself feeling like you have to be on the clock 24 seven, because you don't. Um, I find it useful to set alarms on my phone for like start of work day, um i have workout breaks like one in the morning one in the afternoon lunch break end of day um so you know just keep it kind of regular schedule wise and it'll be much better for you in the long run but um but yeah i think that's it for me and i've really enjoyed chatting with you today thanks for having me
1: yeah no i, I our audience uh, really appreciate your perspective um you know senior researcher contributing out into the the public uh, community as well Um, geek at heart. I love it. Uh, We'll have to have uh, some additional conversations uh, on the side. uh, uh, But we do appreciate uh, you contributing to uh, the New Cyber Frontier for this podcast. Um, We have been talking to Marcel Lee, who's a senior researcher at SecureWorks. Thank you,
0: Marcel. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.